And we welcome you into episode six of the best podcast available as we inch our way closer to the 2019 NFL Draft. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Andrew Gribble. Coming up on the program today, we'll kind of get through what's going on around the draft world as it pertains to pro days just underway and in full go every day. It seems like there's a different pro day going on and who's where and which Browns coaches and which Browns front office people are where. We'll talk about the pro days coming up. Also, a fantastic interview with draft expert Luke Easterling, editor of the Draft Wire at USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at Luke Easterling and at the Draft Wire. He's got a four-round mock draft out, which is great because obviously we don't have a first-round pick at pick number 17. So we talk second round, third round, fourth round, and we get his overall thoughts on the draft as well. And then uh, we'll play a little game. Gribble and I will go back and forth and go – is this the position they should take in the take a look at it filling in the second round or if they shouldn't take that and they should pass we'll call it yay or nay uh so gribble on this uh on this thursday episode six of the best podcast available the pro days officially underway but again just not a lot of news going on right now as it pertains to the 2019 NFL draft. Yeah, I think the the big thing is is that it's not a quarterback draft. And I, I think that has a big big deal in, in kind of building up the draft buzz. And I, I think there's been some, some things leaked here and there. I think the big news item uh, on Wednesday was – uh, Kyler Murray had met with the Arizona Cardinals, had his one on, had his kind of private visit with them. He, he's already at his pro day, so that's in the back burner. And I think he's done doing on-field stuff leading up to the draft. He had a very good pro day from from all indications of it, and I think that's going to be the one story that drives this whole thing. And and we might, based on the Cardinals' best interest, we might have our hand tipped one way or the other. I mean. It, could they trap if they trade Josh Rosen here in the next month? Then we know who they're taking. They're going with Kyler Murray, and if they hold on to him, the, then maybe that there will be a little bit more suspense going into that weekend. And then, even though he played at Ohio State and was a really good player, the, Nick Bose is the second best guy in this draft, or maybe 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 is the best guy in this draft. But it doesn't look like he's going to be going number one if, if the Cardinals go with Kyler Murray. But it, it's that's tough. We we like. Especially when we had the first round pick, we liked that this was a defensive heavy draft. But you know, points and offense is what sells in the NFL, and there's not a ton, not a ton of skill players. I mean, there's maybe one running back that's going to be a first round pick. We got the Kyler Murray's the quarterback. There's a couple other first round quarterbacks, but they're not exactly interesting. Like they they don't drive a lot of headlines. I mean, last year you had the four big quarterbacks with a bunch of quarterback needy teams. Now you have one big name quarterback and the team he's linked to is a team that just drafted a quarterback last year. So it's just a different dynamic, different environment. You have these drafts every now and again, kind of reminds me of 2013 uh, where Eric Fisher, the a Mac offensive lineman was the top sure. pick. John Dorsey's first pick as the general manager of the Kansas city chiefs. It just wasn't an interesting draft. And that's, and it turned out that most of the players in that draft stunk, but hopefully that's not the case this year. Hopefully a lot of these guys are good players, uh, we'll see. It's just it's it's weird, and maybe maybe we're biased now. We're we're kind of out of the draft news leader business here now that the Browns have kind of recalibrated their roster. But you go to NFL.com. There's not a ton of big news headlines going on right no, now. No, when when we're when I'm putting together the the rundown for everybody, it, it's one of those things where you really gotta scour <laughs> the wire. You gotta look through a bunch of different websites. 
what what's making news, what's not making news. I mean, the biggest three things that I have, Josh Jacobs is slow. Elijah Holyfield is really slow. And Paris Campbell tweaked something at, at the Ohio State Pro Day. We think he tweaked something. He went down wrong. He stopped running routes and stopped catching passes. And that's got people in an uproar. But if that's where we're at in terms of the draft buzz, Wow, and we've got five more weeks to go before we really get to the NFL draft. Now I'll throw out another headline there that would have had a much bigger effect on the Browns had the Browns maintained that first-round pick. The Montez Sweat story earlier this week about the heart condition that he has, and if that was going to affect him and maybe get him to fall to the Browns at number 17. But odds are he's not going to fall to number 49. But there was some buzz about him going in the top five after kind of the combine he and, had a monster and combine. that he had, the senior bowl that he had, a pass, a dynamic pass rusher. Now you wonder if, if it's going to be a situation where he really falls uh, you know, out of the top ten. But I, I just can't see a talent like that falling definitely that far to the Browns at number 49 because of a condition that it sounds like he seems very comfortable with and his agent at least hoping optimistically that all the teams feel comfortable enough with him to still take him as one of the top pass rushers uh, in the draft. Taking a look, I mentioned Josh Jacobs being slow at Alabama's pro day, slow being an understatement. I mean, you take a look, and you mentioned the lack of skill position guys. I mean, there's not a running back that you can say can change your franchise in this draft in any way, shape, or form. That's not even close. No, and someone, I think, I forget who to credit on this, but – I think they mentioned that this is the first draft in a few years where there hasn't been a generational talent at running back. That's not to say this isn't a good year at running back. There's some quality guys that I'm sure uh, in October we're going to be ha- wondering why we didn't put them on our fantasy teams. They're like piling up yards for their team. I mean, it happens every year. It's just the nature of the position. But there isn't a Zeke Elliott. There isn't a Todd Gurley. There isn't a Saquon Barkley. There isn't a Leonard Fournette who went number four uh, overall to the Jaguars. And this is now going back to where we were, maybe was it 2014, where you're in 13, where your first running back was coming off the board in the second round. And we were wondering if a running back would ever be drafted in the first round ever again because of the position. You know, the stuff just goes in waves. But it's, it's interesting because Jacobs might be someone, though, that bucks the trend on. I don't think teams needed to see if this guy could really run fast. I mean, I think this was an acceptable speed and I think I've heard he plays angry and he's just you watch his film and you're like this is an NFL running back like that's that's what shows up is and it comes back to 90 percent of these guys evaluation is what they actually did in college even though during this point in the process we try to make it about everything but what they did in college to follow up on that can we talk about it because Dwayne Haskins went 45 for 50 he had four drops and only one bad pass and everybody's Losing their minds over that. And Kyler Murray's numbers were crazy. You're playing against a broom. You're playing in the field house. As Nathan Zagura said on Cleveland Browns Daily last night in his in his rec league game at, at the facility, I was warming up and I completed 40 out of 40 passes. Does that make me a prospect? We're getting into the point where silly season's officially beginning. And we're over-evaluating these pro days. I think you can only hurt yourself at a pro day. I wouldn't. I would hope that a team would not elevate a player based on their pro day performance, because uh, th- this is where, to me, it's like if you show up and do what you're supposed to do at pro day, that rem- keeps you neutral. If you don't do, if you suddenly look bad or some things look look odd, then then maybe you get some teams 
raising some more questions. I'll, I'll tell you something that I think is really valuable at these pro days that is kind of off the radar is when I was back at covering Alabama, they have the big pro day. Alabama has two of them. Uh, which of is, course. Yeah, because they always have a few guys that are hurt, so then they have one really later in the process when these guys heal up. Uh, I think infamously uh, that the Trent Richardson Pro Day was the second of Alabama's two Pro Days, and that was where he kind of won the Browns over at, at that uh, in, back in 2012. But once every all the media leaves, and I don't know if they do this at every school, but at Alabama they have what's called a junior Pro Day, and they have all their – upcoming prospects their 2020 guys go through all the drills and everything like that and i think then scouts are starting to get their looks on future future guys uh with, with their team or they and they just get these players used to going through the process and it just shows when you go to a big school like alabama that the part of their recruiting machine is promising to put you in the best possible position uh with uh with nfl teams and i think if you talk to scouts a lot of scouts say they do almost as much work at these pro days for future prospects as they're doing for their current prospects because they've already done a year's worth of work on those guys and are, are just crossing some T's and dotting some I's at these things. Yeah, I mean, it could come down to like the guy that's running the routes for the senior quarterback or the quarterback that's coming out. Right. That they look at and go, oh, that guy's taking these pretty seriously and he runs pretty good routes. I wonder if we should go back and look at this guy's tape. It comes down to little things like that uh, that can really stand out and, and make a big difference, as you said, in – Two years. <laughs> Another one of my favorite pro day storylines is when a former player that is trying to get back into the NFL is showing up at these pro days or, or is just helping out. I think earlier this, this I think it was last week, was a J.P. Losman yes. throwing passes at, at a pro day. And then, uh, again, going back to Alabama, I remember one of the pro days I was at, maybe the last one I was at, uh, he didn't do anything, but Rolando McClain just kind of showed up and made his presence known to these NFL evaluators, you know, they're trying to do it, taking whatever path they can to can go to get back into the NFL. And the, the, you're never going to get a bigger concentration of the top NFL people in one area as you do as a pro day sometimes, especially these big ones like Ohio State and Alabama. Ohio State had all 32 teams represented and two CFL teams. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it was a who's and we're not just talking one guy. We're talking multiple guys from each each organization and JP Losman was actually asked by a scout if he'd be interested in coming back and he politely declined. <laughs> I'm skeptical on that one. I'm, 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 I'm skeptical on the seriousness of that ask. I, I, I am very interested to hear. I would have loved to have seen that interaction and really known the context to which he answered. I mean, he was question. so bad. He was, he was terrible. There, there were some bad quarterbacks in the NFL uh, over the, over the years and, he is definitely right. Did he played Tulane. Was that is that where he came from? Tulane Temple. It was one of those. I, no idea. I can't remember. I mean, he could. He, he should go back because that's <laughs> about that was about the extent. He should relive the glory days because that's what got him drafted. UCLA and Tulane. That's where he was at. He was at UCLA. He must have began his career there, but I know he finished up at Tulane. Huh. That's saying something. Yeah, to say the least. All right. So coming up, we will go yay or nay in terms of positions and what makes the most sense for the Browns in the second round. Right now, though, we give you a chance to hear from one of the draft experts. Again, we don't have a pick at 17, so we're finding the guys that go deep into the drafts, that are doing mock drafts that are two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, seven rounds. And we found one of our buddies, Luke Easterling. You hear him on Cleveland Browns Daily a lot, and he is at the Draft Wire USA Today. He's the editor of the Draft Wire, a fantastic publication, you can catch his latest 
four-round mock draft at the Draft Wire. And he was kind enough to spend a few minutes with us, gave us some great insight as to who the Browns might be interested in 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 rounds two, three, and four, maybe who would be there that the Browns might come back into round one for, and did a really, really good job breaking down the draft as a whole. This is where we're getting into the nitty-gritty, and he told us, you got to you can get good players, you just got to do a little bit more research. It, it's, it's beyond it, – it's not the high-profile guys from the NFL Combine, not the guys who took all the post pictures and everything like that. I mean, I still think – I could be wrong. I mean, I, I think this – people are going to get excited by the second round of the draft. On that I Friday – Friday, Friday night will be the new Thursday night. It'll turn into a into – Browns fans will turn it into a, a party of sorts, and I, I think that – Based on, I, I will tell you this, some inside numbers with ClevelandBrowns.com, articles involving the second-round pick have done even better than some of our draft articles were before the Odell Beckham trade. I think people are even more into, now we're seeing the, the real diehards come out and be really interested in this because I think a lot of people in their heads are going to view this second-round pick in their heads as the first-round pick, and this guy unfortunately might have the expectations of a first-round pick that you're thinking you've got this one top-two-round pick you got to plug him in and make him a starter. That might not be the case, but I think that that's going to be the excitement that's going to hover around that. Well, I also think a lot of people are going to watch Thursday expecting Dorsey to make a trade. I would agree with that. And that's why we'll all be here on Thursday night till the very end. Yeah. Because we're thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. We hope you enjoy your interview here with Luke Easterling. Have a listen. You, my friend, have gone and overachieved and done a four-round mock draft, which is great for us because – we don't have a first-round pick. So getting to know some of these guys in the second, third, and fourth rounds is something that we're working our way through. And at pick number 49, you have the Browns taking Rakia Sin, the defensive back from Temple. Let's get started with uh, with him and what you see in him and why you see him falling all the way to number 49 in the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I mean, when, uh, when uh, heading into the combine, at least, he was a guy that, um, had finally started to gain some traction as, as a potential top five corner in this class. It's really kind of a, a muddy corner class. There's not really that, you know, elite top five prospect. You know, LSU's Greedy Williams is the guy that's probably getting the most talk right now, um, mostly because of his size and speed. But, you know, after that, it really gets, um, it gets kind of like, who do you like? What are your, you know, what is your scheme fit? And, and there's so many names that could be that second or third or fourth corner off the board. And, Heading into the combine, uh, Rock kind of started to pick up steam as one of those guys. I know Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network was starting to talk him up a lot, um, which made me feel better because he's a guy that I found kind of early on and was like, wow, why, why isn't this guy being talked about uh, kind of in that range, in that top five corner range? So um, to get him, you know, on the back end of the top 50 would definitely be a, a huge win for Cleveland. And again, you know, people will read, read any mock draft and say, you know, how does that guy end up going that late? And, you know, if, if you look at the history of the draft, there's always, you know, a handful of picks where, you know, in every round we look and see, well, how did that guy end up there? And, you know, team needs really dictate a lot early on. Uh, you know, teams just, you know, would love to take overall the best player on the board, but sometimes that's not what you need. You have to take what you need. And that's how a guy like Rocky Yassin can end up uh, still on the board at 49, which, again, for, for the Browns, who obviously – you know, hit the, the jackpot with Denzel Ward at number four last year, getting a rookie pro bowler at a premium position like that. Um, to be able to pair him with a guy like Yassine would be huge, uh, especially since you don't have a first-round pick. You basically get a first-round talent at 49. Now, Luke, I'll ask you about two guys you have going slightly below Rock Yassin, the guys 
two names that have been linked to the Browns a bunch in this process. The first one being Draymond Jones, the defensive lineman out of Ohio State. He's a Cleveland native, plays a position uh, of need for this team. I'm wondering if you if you think he could potentially make sense for the Browns at 49. Then another one, Jeffrey Simmons, the Mississippi State defensive lineman. You have him falling all the way to 56, maybe lower than a lot of other people doing these mock drafts. What what makes you think he can he can fall that far? And if you think John Dorsey might take a swing at him at 49 as well. Yeah, those are both guys that make a ton of sense for them. I think that, you know, with, with the moves they've made in the offseason, um, you know, going into free agency, I thought that the three-tech spot was a, a big need for them. Uh, bringing in Sheldon Richardson, I think, was one of the more underrated signings um, of free agency. Obviously, you add Olivier Vernon to that pass rushing uh, group. Emmanuel Ogba is a guy that, especially in passing situations, I feel like you can slide him inside uh, and, and make use of his strength as an interior pass rusher in passing situations. But, um Depth along the defensive line is never uh, a bad thing to have. So uh, if the Browns went into this, you know, looking to take advantage of the fact that this year's defensive line class, especially in terms of interior guys, is just loaded. Uh, so you're going to end up with a lot of talented guys still on the board there in that top 50 range. Um, Draymond Jones is a guy that I've mocked to the Browns, you know, multiple times because I do like that fit. Not the best run defender in the world. Again, he's a little bit tall and lean. Um, so it's a little difficult for him to kind of anchor in that way. But, man, what an explosive pass rusher for his size. He uses those long arms. Uh, just really good at getting after the quarterback. Um, and then Jeffrey Simmons is going to be one of those wild card guys. Not only does he have, you know, the kind of the off-field situation that he dealt with prior to his time uh, at Mississippi State, um, you know, that's going to have, you know, that I'm sure was a, a big question mark for a lot of teams when they met with him. Um, over this process and any time any private visits he does that's definitely something that's going to come up um and even if teams do end up feeling comfortable with that you got a guy who you know just tore his acl you know late in the process not even in a bowl game but after that um you know working out and prepping for the combine in the draft so you're talking about you know a long recovery time that's probably going to you know make him somewhat of a non-factor as a rookie that's really going to be more of a redshirt year while he tries to rehab and get back to full strength so you know, it, as a player on the field at full strength, if we had no no ACL injury, no off the field issues, we're talking about Jeffrey Simmons as a top fifteen pick. So um, that's definitely just something that every team is going to have to weigh, both the medical evaluation and how comfortable they feel with his recovery, uh, and also the off field stuff as well. Um, that's why I have him going to New England. I feel like New England's a team that's a little bit more in a position to take kind of a risky luxury pick. Um, they've got multiple seconds. They've got multiple third-round picks. I feel like if he's still on the board, they can take that chance. Um, whereas, you know, a team like Cleveland, although they have added a lot of talent, I feel like they're, they may not be in a position to take a redshirt type of player, especially now without a first-round pick. That second-rounder becomes your, your first pick uh, and the one you kind of have to ride behind. So if you're making your first pick a guy who might miss the entire rookie season, I just feel like that's a little too risky for a team like the Browns. What can you tell us about the guys that you have going in uh, the third round and the fourth round? We're talking with Luke Easterling from the Draft Wire, one of the great draft experts out there. He's got a four-round mock draft out, and we are big fans, obviously, since we don't have a first-round pick here on the best podcast available. You've got Juan Thornhill, safety out of Virginia, at pick number 80, and at pick number 119, you've got uh, Trey Lamar, the linebacker out of Clemson, and I – me personally, anybody that I can get out of Clemson, the way that that defense played and the way that that team plays, I'm all for. So you've got us loading up, going three defensive guys with three picks right out of the gate. 
Yeah, and I, I think it just comes down to trying to add talent and athleticism at every pick. And, and if you can fill needs that way, that's great. You know, the, any team should want to approach the offseason in a way that allows them to fill their biggest needs in free agency with veteran players so that you can then go into the draft and, and be a little more flexible. You don't feel like you have to uh, stick to your needs as much as, you know, trying to find the best overall football players to add to your roster as a whole. Um, so in, in this situation, I think both of those picks kind of fit the Browns on both sides, both talent and value-wise as well as filling needs. Juan Thornhill, um, you want to talk about an explosive guy as a safety. He, uh, I think he came up one inch short of the vertical jump record at the combine. I think he jumped like 44 inches or something crazy like that, um, which, again, is just it shows you that explosiveness, that lower body strength, uh, the flexibility that he showed also in the positional drills to move back and forth, flip his hips in coverage. Um, just a guy that I think the, the Browns could really use on the back end. Obviously, Demarius Randall has kind of seen a resurgence in his career after they moved him back to safety where he was always more comfortable um, at Green Bay, try to make him into a corner. It just didn't work out too well. But uh, the Browns are seeing kind of the, the fruits of, of his labor at, at a position I think he's much more comfortable. Uh, and I think they just need another playmaker like that on the back end. And I think Juan Thornhill has the athleticism to do that. Um, Trey Lamar, like you said, anybody who comes out of Clemson, they're one of those programs that you can pretty much trust you're going to get uh, a certain level of prospect no matter who it is. Uh, and Trey Lamar is, you know, he's not the what seems like the new school of linebacker where they're undersized. They're basically like big safeties uh, that can, you know, move all around the field. But you kind of feel like you're giving something up in terms of physicality and the ability to, to shed blocks with those offensive linemen get up on them at the second level. Um, you know, Trey Lamar is a little bit more of a throwback linebacker. He's a big guy, physical, really, really tough, but still retains enough of that athleticism to make plays from sideline to sideline. He's not going to be a liability on third downs and coverage. And he can also get after the passer if you want to move him down on the edge in certain situations. So, uh, again, three guys that, that I think fill immediate needs for this team, which, again, if you look up and down the, the Browns roster after this offseason, it's a lot harder than usual uh, to find really glaring needs on that roster. And I think that there are only a few left, and I, I think these picks kind of help fill those. Luke, there's been a lot of discussion about safety here with the Browns in the wake of trading Jabril Peppers and you mentioned Thornhill in the third round. If if the Browns were to go after a, a safety with their second round pick or even trade up for someone, is, is there someone in mind that you think that would fill that Peppers role uh, as best as possible in this year's class? Yeah, I think safety that second round could be the sweet spot for that position. I, I think I'm I'm kind of finishing up my grades now. I don't know that I'll have uh, a first round graded safety in this class, but I might have you know five or six that end up in the second round range. So. Um, you know, will a team feel like they need to reach on the back end of the first round for one of those guys? That might be the case, but they might look at the overall depth of kind of that, that next tier uh, of the safety class and say, man, I'd feel much more comfortable waiting on a guy in the second or third round. That could leave a team like the Browns in a good spot because if they, only, you know, they don't pick till 49 and some of the teams around them feel like they can be patient either late in the first, early in the second round ahead of them and wait on safeties, it could leave – Guys like Deontay Thompson from Alabama, Taylor Rapp from Washington, um, Nasir Adderley from Delaware, who I know is a popular guy, even though he's a small school guy, great athlete, played some corner as well. Um, really, really athletic safeties in this class. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Florida is another guy that can play nickel uh, or drop back and play safety, and uh, I really, really like his game. So if they want to go safety in the second round, I, I feel really, really comfortable with the fact that there's going to be some fantastic talent still on the board there. Luke, is there a guy in the first round that you really like that if he is slipping into the later portion of the round that you, if you were the Browns, you would go up and try to get 
by, by trading back into the first round? Are there a couple players that, that you like that, would, that you go after if they start to slip? Yeah, I think one of those safeties that I mentioned earlier would make a lot of sense. I think if there's a corner like uh, maybe DeAndre Baker from Georgia, who's a guy that you know has fantastic film, probably didn't have the combine performance that he wanted to in terms of showing off his athletic ability. But, I mean, the ball skills, the instincts he has, he has all those intangible qualities that really make an elite corner uh, what an elite corner should be. So uh, I think if he's a guy that kind of stays on the board in that late first round, which I think is where I have him going, I think 27 to Oakland right now, if he slips past there, gets into those last couple of picks, I think the Rams, particularly at 31, are a team that would, that would love to come off that pick, go back into the second round, uh, and pick up some extra picks because they're missing a few. Um, if if uh, if the Browns see that kind of player up there, which I think could be a perfect complement again to Denzel Ward, like we discussed earlier, um, he's a guy that would make sense to go up and jump up and get. The Browns have, have yet to add a, a quarterback to the room, uh, veteran-wise, this offseason. It's led to a lot of speculation that uh, John Dorsey and Elliott Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith, all of whom have that background of the Packers where they drafted quarterbacks uh, a lot uh, there, even though they had their guy. Is there a late-round guy? that you like uh, that at the quarterback position that, that you could maybe see uh, getting some good value on with one of those fifth-round picks? You know, if there's a late-round guy that – it depends on what you want in that late-round player. Are you looking for a guy who is you know has the tools to eventually develop into a franchise guy? Or are you looking for a guy who's going to be a, an acceptable backup to Baker Mayfield and be a good teammate, be a guy that you can rely on to be around? And if you're looking – in the sixth or seventh round, I think the guy, if you're looking for the latter, which is what I would be looking for if I'm the Browns, obviously I have my franchise guy in Baker Mayfield. I don't want to bring in anybody that's even going to make it remotely look like he's not you know, our guy and, and 100% the guy we're going to be behind. I'd be looking at a guy like Trace McSorley from, from Penn State, a guy who was a fantastic leader, talked to anybody who played uh, for McSorley at Penn State uh, over his career, and they'll rave about his leadership ability, his intelligence, the way he prepares for games. And then when he gets on the field, the way he, you know, overcomes what people will call a lack of athleticism, a lack of physical traits. You know, if you look at him and, and watch his, his testing necessarily, you won't see a physically imposing player, but you'll, you'll see a guy on game day who's going to bust his tail and, and, and do everything he can to put his teammates in position to win. And I think that's something that a guy – that's what makes a guy like Baker Mayfield so successful. Uh, and I think that's the type of personality that would make a fantastic backup quarterback. And if you're willing to – spend a sixth or seventh round pick on that kind of guy it would make sense talking with luke easterling you can catch his four round mock draft at draftwire.usatoday.com you can also uh follow him on twitter he's a great follow a lot of good information at luke easterling and at the draft wire taking a look at your first round what are your takeaways on kyler murray a very polarizing player what are your thoughts on him my thoughts are when when you attack his evaluation you have to throw the height thing out the window in my opinion i don't think size is a skill um i I think that if you kind of take those blinders off and pretend if you need to that he's six three or six four and just watch what he does as a prospect as a passer especially from the pocket uh i think you'd come away saying yeah this is a guy who probably deserves to be in the conversation to be the number one overall pick uh and if you're not comfortable with that i think you probably need to reevaluate uh that kind of height bias that i think a lot of people still have so you know, when you do look at the film, you see a guy who's not only very explosive as a runner when plays break down and can really, really frustrate and, and stretch out a defense by making them uh, prepare and, and always be 
um, watching and, and wary of his ability to do that. But when he's, you know, I wouldn't even say when he's forced to sit in the pocket. When he's very comfortable making plays from the pocket. Um, it, it's just I don't think that people have enough of an imagination, even in, within the league sometimes, to imagine that a 5'10 quarterback can come in and be an effective pocket passer. But, you know, to do it at a place like Oklahoma, it's not like he did it, you know, at, at even, you know, the Division two or three level. He did this against top competition, won the Heisman Trophy, um, you know, he, I don't know what else this guy can do to prove to people that he is an elite prospect uh, and he's absolutely capable of being a franchise quarterback. In your mock draft, you've got the Bengals trading up to number five to take Dwayne Haskins. Is Haskins the best quarterback in this draft? And in some of the mock drafts we've seen, the Giants, it has the Giants actually passing on Haskins at six, which. A lot of people said, eh, Haskins to the Giants, natural fit. And then Giants going a different way at pick number 17 with that Browns pick. Where do you see him going? Do you, do you think someone uh, – you've got someone like Cincinnati moving up to number five and, and trading a boatload of picks. What What's your feeling on Haskins? Yeah, I do think he's the best quarterback in this draft, and I think he's got all the tools to do it. I think the problem will be, particularly when you're talking about the Giants, you're talking about a team with a very old-school general manager uh, in Dave Gettleman who I think skill set wise would be, you know, completely comfortable with Haskins, but a lot of more experienced GMs really get hung up on uh, college quarterbacks who don't have a whole lot of starts under their belt. And when you're talking about Haskins, you're talking about a guy who's only a one year starter at Ohio state. Um, you know, obviously that one year was unbelievable broke uh, pretty much every big 10 passing record. There was most of which were, were held by Drew Brees at Purdue, uh, you know, 50 touchdown passes and eight interceptions that one season tells me quite a bit. I, I just think that for a guy like Gettleman, he's going to need more than that, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him pass at, on him at number six, even though I think that would be crazy. Um, again, I think that Haskins has all the tools to be the best quarterback in this draft, extremely accurate quarterback, which is really one of the most important things you need, has checks every box, and I, I don't understand why he's not in the conversation in the top five. I, if I were a team that needed a quarterback, I'd be willing to go up and get him. I don't know if the Bengals will be that team, um, and, and with other teams like Washington and, and Miami looking like they've made enough veteran moves to kind of maybe they're punting on this class and, and waiting till next year, I think whoever ends up with Dwayne Haskins is going to make the rest of the teams who need a quarterback look silly for not trying harder to make him their guy. Luke, we appreciate the time today. Fantastic stuff. And, again, you can catch him on Twitter at Luke Easterling and at the Draft Wire. Also, be sure to check out their website for the latest four-round mock draft, draftwire.usatoday.com. Luke, appreciate the time as always. Continue the great work, and I'm sure we'll be talking with you again here as we get closer to draft day. All the best to you, my friend. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, fellas. That was Luke Easterling. He'll be back on. You've heard him on Browns Daily. Great get, great idea by Gribbs to uh, to go after him this week for the best podcast available, and a lot of great information there. And, and his mock draft is is unique uh, in the fact that he's got Cincinnati trading up, which I I don't know if I buy all the way to go that's up to the get one. Dwayne that's Haskins. the one franchise I could never see doing that. I, I just I think they're just so conservative and. Yeah, and they they just have their system. They in build place. their team through the draft. Yeah, they always have. Like I was even stunned. I was doing a free agency recap the other day that they they had a first round pick, Darquez Denard, who's a free agent right now, and he still was with the team for five years. They stuck with him. wasn't good. I mean, it wasn't great, but he turned into a player that they eventually built up 
to at least start nine games this past year, and then they're just going to move on from him, but they still got five years out of him. I don't know if guys like that stick around five years at most other teams if they're not performing. It's just they're – that's why all those – they that's what worked for them, I think, when they were having their good run. They had really good team chemistry. All those guys stuck together. But then when you miss on some of your draft picks, it can, it can catch up to them in a hurry, and that's why I think the Bengals are where they are right now. I just – they made that one trade last year before the draft uh, to get Cordy Glenn. Sure. Now I thought that was a bold move on their part. This would be for them to be so invested in Andy Dalton. I know they're probably off the hook with him in a in a in a year or two. I don't know the details of his contract, but that would be such a bold move for them in a, in a year of transition within the division. I, I I would be stunned to see them do that. Yeah, I agree, and I think they have a lot of holes to fill. Yeah. Right now, you've got a quarterback that you can at least get you through the rebuilding process till you get your next quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he does have three defensive players, defensive back, safety, linebacker, all three very, very, I, I don't want to say very big needs, but needs for this football team, especially from a depth perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's what we're looking at. I, maybe it's because the Odell Beckham signing overshadowed everything, but I mean, the Browns did make two huge additions to their defense in free agency, which is what we would all be talking about right now had the Odell Beckham trade not happened. Is that is how much better the Browns should be on defense now after the addition of Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson. I just think it's one of those position groups, though, where people look at it and think that's still not enough. You might need more. I mean, we've seen these guys get hurt so much, and you see the drop-off sometimes when you don't have the appropriate amount of depth. I think that now – that you're in a position where even though you are coming off a 7-8-1 and one season, you're almost treating this draft as if you were in the playoffs last year because of all the moves you've made. Now you're looking to fill depth, fill holes. You're not looking for the uh, immediate impact starters that maybe you were in years past. So that's why defense, I think, comes up. But I I don't think it's a lock you go defense with those with all three of those picks uh, that, that he mocked at least. All right, with that being said, let's play a little game called Yay. Or nay, meaning the Browns' second-round pick, which is pick number 49. I'll give you a position. You'll tell me yay or nay as a possibility for the Browns uh, at pick number 49. Okay. So let's have a little fun here. Quarterback, yay or nay? It's a quick nay. It's a, it's a quick one. It's a very, very quick one. <laughs> <laughs> now, that being said, I totally think a quarterback could be in play in the fifth round. Yes. I think they've got to go get another guy. Yeah, I mean, there's still some guys out there, and as we're taping this right now, one of the better quarterbacks on the market just signed uh, with the Jets, and that's Trevor Simeon. They clear The Jets clearly are not waiting on Josh McCown to make his decision about his football future. They're getting their backup behind Sam Darnold. He was one of the more attractive candidates still out there uh, on the quarterback market. Not a lot to love uh, about this backup quarterback market. You need an arm at some point for camp here coming up. and yeah. So I could see – uh, a really off the radar name coming up before the draft just to fill fill some holes, and then you maybe use one of those fifth round picks to go get someone. The guy I like is Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo, I like a total a project. But I I wonder. I mean, it's one of those things where you got your guy in place, and as Luke said, you don't want to rock the boat in any way, shape, or form. So you want to have someone come in and and know their no, role, yeah, and know and be a valuable backup. And there's a lot to that, and I, that's where he put, he threw out Trace McSorley. That that one was interesting. Is, hasn't there been stuff floated by him playing other positions like yeah. out there? I mean, I don't know. If, he denied. He did not want to try out at like defensive back. Remember at the combine they asked him, I think, yeah. to play DB or safety, and he was like, no. I'm yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I just want someone 
there's no one similar to Baker, but maybe someone similar in that someone who was able to comprehend and pick up anything that in the offense that Kid you're from picking Buffalo up. Buffalo was just huge. Six seven two forty. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, he's, as Pillen says, Josh Allen without the top ten pick. So it, it, it'll be interesting, but that, it's definitely in play the longer we go into free agency without signing someone. All right, QB is an A for the second pick, or the number one pick in the second round for the Browns at pick number 49. What about running back, yay or nay? Nay in the second round, but I think it's going to happen at some point in the draft. I, I Even though you seem loaded up to the point where people are floating out the, the idea of, of, of trading a, a Duke Johnson, I just think that you like to have as many options as possible, and if you do make a trade with Duke Johnson once Kareem Hunt gets back, you're going to need someone in that room. Could it be an undrafted route like they did last year with Dontrell Hilliard? Maybe, but I, I definitely think it's in play, but definitely not in the second round. Wide receiver, yay or nay? By the way, I agree with you. Uh, yeah. At some point, they'll need to get a running back, but not uh, not that high. Yeah. Wide uh, receiver. Nay, and I think it might almost be completely off the board at some point. I, I Sure. I, I don't know if there's – I mean, again, anything goes in the late rounds. You, you really are going with the best player available at that point, but – especially if you don't have a team make up an offer sheet for Rashard Higgins here in the coming weeks. So if, if Higgins is definitely back, uh, he was te- he was given the original round tender. So teams have the opportunity up until April 19th to, mat- to make an offer sheet that the Browns have an opportunity to match or not match. But if he's back, you've got a lot of guys. And, uh, and more importantly, the bottom guys are all, with the exception of Ricardo Lewis, are all guys that are – Dorsey picked guys. I mean, you've got Damien Ratley, who was a draft pick last year. Derek Willies, who played, who impressed in the minimal opportunity he had last year. Jalen Strong, who was signed. I mean, so you've got a lot of options at that position. Uh, So I would, I would say nay now, and it would not surprise me if you don't draft one at all in this draft. Yeah, no question about. I agree with you on the nay. Tight end, yay or nay? I'm going yay on this one. I, I could definitely see it as a possibility. Uh, because I think there are a few people who line up with, you know, at that point in the draft at number 49. The tight end I really like is Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama. He could be available at 49. A Jace Sternberger uh, could be available at that spot. I, I just think you've you've got two guys in the room who look like starters in the Joku and, and Harris. You got Seth DeValve uh, entering what is it now his fourth season with the team and had, coming off a pretty rough 2018 season. I don't know what's season. going on there. And then Farrell Brown, and that's it. You don't have much else at that position. And I I do think that you can really diversify your offense with getting another guy at that position, especially someone who is a capable run blocker as well. Because you signed Demetrius Harris, but he's he again. He, you you signed Darren Fells in a similar situation last year, moved on from after a year. Harris is basically a younger version of Fells, but he's been in the league for uh, six years or so now. I could I think it is in play. Do I think it's likely? No, but I I'm definitely not naying it at this point. I'm going nay. You can say yay, but I'm going to go nay. I love me some Farrell Brown. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what about tackle? Yay or nay? I'm going to break down the offensive line by position. Yeah, I, I'm going to go, man. Oh, I'm on the fence, but I, I'll say nay on this one. I think you've got a bunch of guys here. I think the signing of Kendall Lamb was kind of underrated because I think he's going to provide some competition at right tackle uh, with Chris Hubbard. You've got your competition at le- – not, not competition, but you've got your backups 
on the left tackle with Desmond Harrison, a player that this organization still believes in strongly. So I don't know if you're going with a tackle that early in the draft. I could see maybe taking a flyer uh, later in the draft on, on the tackle position, but it's pretty it's pretty top-heavy. I think all of the ones that you'd be willing to take a risk on or, or have, have to snatch as like the best player available, I just don't think it's going to line up as a – as a best player available at 49. I would say yay because you're going to never have enough offensive linemen to protect the franchise. Yeah. So I think I think it's totally in play for John Dorsey. Uh, how about guard? That uh, That's why I'll go yay on that one because I think that you've, you're essentially, the way you view it now, you're moving up Austin Corbett to right, right guard. You brought in Eric Cush, a veteran guy. You're not planning for the future with him, but he could definitely serve a valuable role this season, play a little center, play a little guard. So I, I think there is an opening there for another interior lineman. There, If you're drafting like you did with Corbett, if you're drafting an interior lineman in the second round, you're you're thinking that they could potentially start. I lump them in. I, I hope I'm not stealing around for me, but I'm, I'm also including centers in this category as well. J.C. Treader's on the last year of his contract since 2019. He's played great for the Browns, played great this past season while hurt. Uh, would love to have him around even longer. But if you're planning in the event that he, he goes somewhere else or you don't bring him back, uh, I would I would be fine getting a quality guard-slash-center type at that position to, to build toward the future. I can add center in with that. That was going to be my next one, but I totally agree. I think interior offensive linemen, I'm a little concerned with the depth. Uh, yeah. On the offensive lineman, you've got a couple guys in free agency that I think are good rotate. You know that could be uh, could provide that depth, but I definitely think that in the second round at pick forty nine, anybody on that offensive line is in play if yeah. they're if the best available is on the board. Yeah. All right, we move to defense. Defensive end, yay or nay? Now, are you lumping them in with edge rushers? Are there, are these different that, categories? So I had defensive end, a defensive tackle, and I had linebacker, but I don't know if we want to go outside linebacker, inside linebacker. So, so I'm going to definitely say yay on this one because I'm lumping in some edge guys. Because in, okay, in this four fine. in this four three scheme, your defensive end is going to be your edge guy, and I think that there are some prime candidates that could be on the board at that position. I think the biggest name, a name that's recognizable around here, Chase Winovich out of Michigan. Luke, had, Luke Easterling has him going 45th to the Falcons. He might be someone you look at at 49 if he slips there. And then Jalen Ferguson, the edge out of Louisiana Tech, he has him going 52nd to the Steelers. That's also someone I would like to see. I think you've got – you added some depth with Olivier Vernon. We're wondering what's where Emmanuel Ogba is going to go. But you, you also have a lot of depth at that position. I mean, you've got Chris Smith. You have Anthony Zettel who played some good football for you last year. You've got a lot of guys – but you're not in a position to turn down a, a good pass rusher, especially if they're your best player available there. Uh, I'm going to say nay because I think that they're going to continue to go on the inside and try to continue to bolster that, and then we'll get into the other positions as well. I'm going to say nay for right now, but third round I think is totally in play. Fourth round, I, I think anything is in play yeah. after round two. Uh, defensive tackle. I'm going with yay on that one. Because there's a couple of guys that make a lot of sense at that spot. I think uh, not being biased being from Cleveland, but Draymond Jones makes a lot of sense for the Browns at 49. From Cleveland, played at Ohio State. They got it. They they'd probably seen a ton of him. Uh, uh, Tosh Lapoy worked him out at Ohio State's pro day today. I mean, it's one of those things where he take away the school and the city where he's from. 
he still makes sense for the Browns at that spot because you, you've got Sheldon Richardson, you've got Larry Ogunjobi, you've got Trevon Coley, but you're still looking to add even more at that position. I mean, we saw it last year. You thought you that Caleb Brantley was going to be in your plans. Wasn't good enough in training camp. You moved on from him. Some of these guys just don't don't pan out. So you've got to have a lot of options there, and I, I think defensive tackle was an area where the acquisition of Sheldon Richardson isn't enough. you got to do more. I would agree, and that's why I have it down as a yay. You, you've still got – you have to build up depth, and that's where – you know, and Luke Easterling said it, uh, defensive back, safety, linebacker, you're building depth on that defense because, let's be honest, last year you got lucky on the injury bug. Yeah. Didn't really bite you a lot. I mean, if you suffered a major injury, I, I'm not sure if you have the depth to really at least keep that position afloat. So I think defensive tackle is definitely a yay. What about linebacker? I'm going to go nay at this spot because there aren't any good ones that are that are available in the second round. Because we're staying, we're assuming the Devons, Devin White, and Devin Bush will be off the board Gone in the first round. Devin White, I think twelve or thirteen. A, I think Devin White, Luke has him at number four. Yeah. I mean, that, so that that they're gone, and then you look at his mock draft in the second round. He has one linebacker in the entire second round being drafted, and that's at the very end. Uh, I believe it's Brian Cashman is the linebacker, and then he's got a bunch in the third round. So maybe there's some value there in the third round. There just doesn't appear to be any value at linebacker. Blake Cashman out of Minnesota, 62 to the Saints. That's it. They're just It doesn't seem like there's any value there. And, and I, I wonder if – you know they don't make a the Browns don't make a move in day one, but maybe they package a couple of those fives and try to move up late in the, or into that third round on Friday yeah. and take take a guy, uh, maybe take a linebacker that falls into the third round because clearly it looks like the linebacker rush could come again in that third round. Right, the, yeah. the next wave of guys. Yeah, there's just no one. I want to say yay. I want to say yay because yeah. I think that's the biggest. I'm really concerned with the lack of depth at linebacker right now. Yeah, I, I am as well, and I think the the maybe the perceived inactivity is a, a ringing endorsement for Jannard Avery. First off, I think that's something to, to take into consideration. But with with the way that he has this draft going out, he has essentially a full round going without a linebacker because he has Mac Wilson at number thirty and the next linebacker going at sixty-two. That's a big gap. Uh, between between linebackers. I think if Mac Wilson is somehow still on the board at 49, he might make sense for the Browns. I just don't see it. And I, I think that there's still a few free agents out there, the biggest being Zach Brown out of the Redskins. Maybe he makes sense for the Browns. But, yeah, I, I think it's a, a position where you're going to address it maybe with multiple picks. I just don't think it's going to be the second-round pick. Yay or nay to defensive back? Uh, yay. I, uh, I think that, uh, again, you can never have too many corners. Uh, I think there's a handful uh, of good options in the second round. Uh, one uh, player I've seen mocked to the Browns, uh, Jamel Dean out of out of Auburn, uh, Tr- Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson. Those are a couple guys. Julian Love out of Notre Dame. They're all around the area, around uh, consistently being mocked around the 49 area. Uh, I, I think that it, it, may, it could make a lot of sense at 49. Were you surprised he had Rakia Sin going, uh, lasting all the way to pick number 49? Luke Easterling, that is. Uh, yeah, I because it just doesn't match up with the rest of the group think. So maybe he sees something that the others don't because I've seen him slipping into the first round in a lot of these drafts. I would love to have – he's a pure athlete that uh, – Fantastic. Yeah, it would be a great get for, for the Browns at 49. Uh, I would be on board with it. Safety, yay or nay? Uh, definitely yay. 
and I think there's a couple guys that make a lot of sense for the Browns uh, at safety at that point in the draft. I think the biggest one that makes sense is Taylor Rapp out of Washington could maybe truly fill that box safety role uh, that Jabril Peppers played. Uh, Deontay Thompson out of Alabama is another one to keep an eye on. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida. Those are all second-round safeties. And then potentially, I know Luke Eastring is very high on Nadir Osterley, but maybe he he slips to the Browns at 49. Uh, there's a bunch of good options there that could really line up and help the Browns out. It looks more and more like those third, fourth, fifth round is where you're going to see the run on safeties, linebackers, those yeah. type of positions. Defensive backs, I think you could see a run on them in the second round and maybe yeah. force the Browns to go up a little higher than pick 49 to get who they I mean, want my, my opinion might completely change. If the Browns over the next couple of days add a veteran, I know the name sure. Trey Boston's been thrown around. You've heard Saw some him other, on Twitter earlier yeah, today. You've, you've, there's a lot of guys out there still that could make this – not a position you have to go reach and get. And I think there's always – I mean, Derek Hendrick was a fourth-round pick. He's played some good football for the Browns. There's good players out there that can that can help you out later in the draft. And total sidebar on that, people forget Derek Hendrick's been a pretty good football player right. here. Especially when you don't ask him to do much coverage. Like, I think that's where he's at his strongest is when he when he's playing that true traditional run-stopping box safety. And if, he, if that's the role that they have, uh, he's very qualified – to play that, and there was a there was a point in time where he was getting just about as many snaps as Jabril Peppers was in that defense. Yeah, I, I definitely think that he is. He's logged some good minutes and played under the radar, and a lot of people maybe not giving him the credit that that he deserves. Final yay or nay? Kicker. <laughs> I don't. I I'm gonna go nay, <laughs> and it's it's. I, I'll throw out just a, a philosophical question here. The Browns. We we all think they they should upgrade it a kicker or at least provide some legit competition for Greg Joseph here in the, in the coming months. But drafting a kicker is really dangerous And it, because if you look back, I think I did this back when the Browns moved on from Zane Gonzalez, there was a lot of, I think the last something like 15 kickers who were drafted, only one of them was still with their current team that drafted them. I think that, yeah, you're getting maybe the best kicker if you're using a draft pick on him. But it almost changes how you evaluate them once they're with your team, and you end up holding on to them maybe sometimes longer than you should. Maybe they end up winning tiebreaker situations in competitions because they were the draft pick. I think Greg Joseph was the example of that. He lost what was essentially a coin flip evaluation in camp at the Dolphins because he was the undrafted guy, and they used a seventh-round pick on another guy. Earlier, the Browns drafted Zane Gonzalez. Exactly. Cody Parkey arguably had the better camp. And Cody's obviously fallen on some harder times now, but yeah, he he had some some good kicks and and had a better stretch there than Zane Gonzalez did afterward. It's just an it's, it puts you in a thorny situation when you draft a kicker, and it's a it's almost like a catch twenty two because then if you don't draft one, you're going after an undrafted one, and he's probably not as good as the guys who got drafted. It, it's tough, and, and I think that unless you see it, and then even when you think you have a generational kicker. The Buccaneers traded up in the second round to take Roberto Aguayo, and he's a head case, and he can't Holy kick. Moly. And and then they, I mean, it was a terrible pick to begin with, and then it became an all time all time terrible pick. It's it's, I it's tough. I mean, the kickers are are weird, and there's only maybe five of them in the league that you trust enough to weather a a, a tough spell without moving on from. I it's just a weird it's it, a weird situation. I don't think you need to to waste a draft pick. 
on a yeah. kicker. I think you only have so many positions that you have to draft, and there's positions that, you know, this this team seven, eight, and one. There's still some holes here, and yeah. there's still some things that need to be filled. And you know, focus on that. And I know that we make a lot out of the kicking game and special teams, and they need to be better, and they're going to be better with with a new position coach, obviously. But I just think that bring in a couple guys. Bring in yeah. a couple guys and let's have a three- or four-man competition kicking-wise, and let's see may the best kicker win. You yeah. know, let, let's see how he reacts, Greg Joseph, that is, to, to actual pressure and a competition. So I, I'm in agreement with you. Big nay on that. Gribs, episode six in the books. In the books. we only The draft can't get here soon enough because, like I said, it's getting tough. But we're digging deep each and every week. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's just a different time in Cleveland with the, the way that everything has unfolded here. It's different, but different can be good. And yeah. this is this is a good problem that we're having right now. And, you know, debating whether or not we're going to need to be here all night on Thursday night, knowing that Friday night's going to be like our first round night, like our Thursday night, and Saturday could be real interesting. I just need to know which night I have to wear a suit. Because in the past it was Thursday. Do I have to wear a suit Friday now? That's the, that's the question. It's a tremendous question. Yeah, There are people way above me that make a lot more money that will answer that. <laughs> I will try to get out of wearing anything uh, respectable whatsoever because we're cooped up in a room all, all night. So We want to thank Luke Easterling for all of his time. Uh, great draft expert from the Draft Wire at USA Today. Follow him on Twitter at Luke Easterling or at the Draft Wire. Check out his latest four-round Mock Draft for Luke Easterling, for Andrew Gribble. I'm Jason Gibbs. If you missed any of our other episodes, you can go on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast, download all of the episodes, Uh, some great interviews with guys like Joe Thomas, guys like Bucky Brooks, Charles Davis, Uh, some really, really good stuff that will get you a little bit of an idea of not just what's going on in the first round, but with the draft in general. So be sure to check all of those out. We're back with you next week on the best podcast available.